I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Our epistle today from St. Paul gives us some real tongue twisters, and this line is one of them. I don't think this is a very easy reading to understand, and yet it's worth our time and effort because once we finally figure out what he's trying to say, Paul gives us today one of our first and most central insights into the heart of the Christian condition. I want you to think for a second. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions? I expect many people have. I know I do. Now, how well do those work out for you? Right? It's now the start of July. Does anybody even remember the resolutions that they made at the beginning of January? Well, a recent scientific study found that of the 3,000 people that they looked at, 88% of them failed in their New Year's resolutions. 88%, so you're not alone. Of course, a year is an awfully long time. So I could ask you how your Lenten disciplines went, because hey, 40 days is a lot fewer than 365, right? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you, because then you might ask me, and well, I'm just not ready to go there today. <laughs> but Paul puts it very simply, I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. And that, friends, hits the nail on the head. We can know what the right thing is. We can even promise to do it, whether it's for 40 days or 365. But the hardest part is doing it. And this is where Paul ends up in our reading for today. This is challenging for two reasons. First, it's a very small slice of a much larger argument. We got dropped in the middle of a train of thought that had already been going on for quite a while. Paul starts an argument in chapter 5 about sin, Jesus, and the law, and that's not going to wrap up until the end, of, the end of chapter 8. So for today, we're getting just a fraction of this whole argument, which is wrestling with a bunch of questions like, what's the relationship between the law and sin? What's the relationship between Jesus and sin? If God gave us the law, it must be a good thing. So how does Jesus change all this? If the law is good, then why don't we follow it if we follow Jesus? And Paul does give answers to most of these questions. He just takes a little while to get around to it. Now the second reason that this is challenging is because Paul is indulging in some wordplay here. Now if you were to look at this section in Greek, you'd see that Paul is putting certain word patterns in play and flipping them. It's a clever way of speaking in Greek. But many of the word plays just don't work the same in English, and it comes off as confusing instead of clever. The bottom line is this. Paul is calling out something that happens to us every day. He says, we know what's right, but we sometimes have a really hard time doing it. We can will what is right, but we can't always get it done. He's not saying something simplistic, like the body is bad and the spirit is good. Instead, he's being a little more careful than that and says that at the end of the day, the problem is that we have two wills fighting to decide what it is our body is going to do. We have that part of us that knows what it is that God wants. 
In Paul's words, this is the part of us that delights in the law of God in my inmost self. This is the part that knows what is good, right, and holy. But then there's the other part. There's the part of us that's selfish and narrow-minded. It's the part that doesn't want to think about God or our neighbor and just wants to do what's easy, what feels good, and what's fun, regardless of the consequences. It doesn't want to take into account our responsibilities to the big picture about God, our neighbors, and creation. Now, Paul calls this the law of sin. When Paul looks into himself, he sees these two wills at war with one another. Sometimes the winner is God, and other times the winner is sin. Now, I can't tell you how much better this makes me feel. I know this struggle. I know what Paul's talking about here, and I know how often sin wins. I take great comfort in knowing, though, that it's not just me. Paul is one of the greatest saints of the Christian church, and yet even he knew this struggle and tells us how hard it is for him. He doesn't give us some phony line that it's easy. He says that even for him, the law of God and the law of sin are at war within him, and that even in his life, sin was a constant threat. So how does Paul wrap this up? What's the answer? What's the solution? How does it get solved neatly and easily? Well, to be perfectly honest, it doesn't. Paul actually doesn't give us an easy answer. Our reading today breaks off with a thanksgiving to God for Jesus. Now, that's a hint, it's a clue in the right direction, but it's not an answer. And that's okay because what Paul is doing today is giving us a sense of the problem. Like I said, what Paul lays out here is something that happens to us every day, not necessarily something that we're aware of every day. Every day this battle of wills works itself out in our bodies. But how often do we realize it? How often are we aware? How often does our conscious choice jump in and help out the law of God? And how often are we on mental autopilot and let the law of sin do what it wants? Now me, I've got two kids, two daughters. I have rules for them. We call it the law of mommy. When they were little, they were, had a set thing, a list of things that they had to do. They had to pick up their room. They had to read their books, do their homework, practice their instruments. Bedtime was at eight. And that was one of the hardest rules to enforce. Some days there were a real battle of wills. We fought tooth and nail to get the hair and teeth brushed and to get the room picked up. And then there were the other days, the ones where I'd realized it was 8.30 and the girls were eating snacks on the couch, watching Cupcake Wars on TV, and their room was a complete disaster. Some days it was easier not to fight and I barely had the energy even if I wanted to. And yet when I caught myself, I would call them off the couch and send them up for pajamas and room tidying. Was it easy? Absolutely not. There was a great deal of whining. And as much as I don't want to deal with that, I had a greater and more important reason why the fight is worth it. It's because I love them. They need their rest. They need to learn how to care for themselves and their things and they need some positive structure. Love makes the fight worth it. Now, of course, they're basically adults, and they're at the point where they're able to make their own decisions, 
and we see the payoff on all those night of fights. And I think of that 8 o'clock bedtime when my older daughter finally makes an appearance around noon because she's been up till roughly 3 a.m. on the computer gaming with her boyfriend. Okay, maybe that law of mommy didn't quite take, but the purpose and the structure of the discipline did. The doing of the homework, the attention to what is right, the importance of love and respect for all, all that did take. And sometimes in the moment, it just feels easier to give in, to not fight the battles, to let it slide, to be too tired to worry about the long-term consequences. And it's the same inside of me, too. It may be easier to let sin win. It's easier to not pay attention, to let the autopilot take over, to let the selfish will do what it wants. But love makes the fight worth it. Paul says that we can will the right, and when we take a hard look at it, we know when something is right. Something about it shows us how to love God more deeply, or our neighbor, or our real selves. Because that's the heart of the law of God, faith, hope, and love. Why should we even bother? Well, because God bothered first. When we were yet sinners, at the right time, Christ Jesus died for us. Not because he had to, or because he thought it was a good idea. He died for us because he chose love. And he loves us still. And every time that we notice that we have a choice, when we see two conflicting wills at war inside of us, we have a choice to choose love. I do not understand my own actions, Paul tells us. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind. Paul lays out the problem. He warns us of what's going on inside. The wills are at war within us. It's easier to just give up. But Paul urges us to make a choice. Recognize that a choice exists and make a good one. Choose life. Choose happiness. Choose love. Let us pray. Direct us, good Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favor, and further us with your continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally, by your mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>